welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. What an honor it is to be in God's house this morning with you all in beautiful sunny South Florida. And I stepped off the airplane and I said, I'm not used to this hot weather in the midst of October. And... Um, but it, it really is an honor to come down here and to be a part of Pastor Appreciation Day. I was talking with Pastor Sean and Pastor Aaron uh, last night, and I told them that this family has tremendously impacted my family uh, from when we first met them several years ago. There's certain people that God will put into your life that I believe to help you go a little bit further and to help you fulfill the call of God in your life. And over the years, when I was 18 years old and gave my life over in faith to Christ, you know, we had Reverend Tiff Shuttlesworth that stepped into that role as my spiritual father. And over the years, God has brought other people into my life to help me and to take me to places that I've only dreamed about. You know, I've heard that phrase today over and over again uh, that God will do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. And one paraphrase of that translation says, that God will outdo your greatest request. And I believe, I believe the Lord uh, that hit my spirit just a few moments ago. I, I truly believe that over pastors Aaron and Pastor Sean, that God is literally going to outdo the greatest request that you've ever presented before the Lord in 2023. And this is only the tip of the iceberg. I believe that their days are going to go from better to better in Jesus' mighty name. Can somebody say amen to that? And so when Pastor, when Bishop called me up, I told my wife, I said, I'd love to go down to, to Fort Lauderdale to go and spend some time with, with Bishop and Pastor Sean. Because I'm a firm believer. I believe in impartation, and I believe that you need to get around the anointing. And so I was making plans to come down here uh, to Fort Lauderdale just to hang out and be in the service. And, uh, and I remember Bishop called me up. I think it was in the month of June. I was in Indianapolis with my wife, we were ministering there, and he asked, and he started saying how Pastor Sean had taken over the church. And so I thought real quickly, it's probably not going to work out for me to come down to Fort Lauderdale uh, this year and to spend some time with them. I understand everything's new. Uh, they're very busy. And, uh, and then Bishop said, Pastor Sean and I were talking about who we should have as the pastor appreciation speaker and I thought to myself, well, I wonder who that's going to be. And, uh, and then that's when they extended the invitation for me to come to Fort Lauderdale. This is my first pastor appreciation service ever preaching. Um, I'm not a pastor. I'm an evangelist. And, uh, but Bishop asked me if I had that date available. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't have that date available, but I made that date available. And... Um, because I wanted to come down here and personally honor Pastor Sean and Pastors Aaron. Uh, and I believe, man, it's going to be a great morning. How many can say that? Amen. And uh, I'm just going to say this. We're going to get into the Word. If you open your Bibles up to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, as you're turning there to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, I just want to say this. Last year when I was here, I was here with my wife and both of my kids. My son Matthew is now 12 years old, and he stands about four inches taller than me, outweighs me by 35 pounds. And, uh, but that's not what I wanted to say. I left here, and my father calls me up. And he goes like this, were you just in a church in Florida this past weekend? I said, I was. He's like, was it Margate? I said, it was. He says, there was a, a gentleman that called me up, and he said, do you have a son that lives in the state of Maine? He grew up in Maine. He's Portuguese. He's got your last name, but he lives in the state of Maine. Do you have a son that's a preacher, that's an evangelist? And my father says, I do. I said, and my son was in Florida this week speaking. He's like, your son was speaking at the church that I attend. And, uh, and my father said, you know, I think the guy was kind of shocked that I was his son because he's like, there's no way that this man has a son that's an evangelist, probably because he's noticed, he's noticed how my father has lived and how my father has speak. But thank God for the grace and the mercy of God that in spite of my dad, God still chose to call me and to use me as a minister of the gospel. So if you're here, uh, hello, yes, that is my father, and I apologize for anything and everything that he has ever said and done. 
Now, how many of you have your Bibles and you've turned it to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18? Now, I believe God's going to do something very significant uh, tonight, uh, this morning. You know, I was listening just a few days ago. I was in my car and I was listening to Sirius XM radio and I was listening to the Billy Graham uh, radio station. And Billy Graham had this to say this about Jesus, about the way Jesus taught. He said, Jesus always spoke with simplicity. Jesus always spoke with authority. And Jesus always used stories to illustrate biblical truths and principles. And today, I'm going to use that as my model. I'm going to follow that model. And if you will give me a few moments of your time this morning and allow the Spirit of God to take us to where I believe God is leading us, I believe that the spirit of faith will come upon you this morning to do something very significant and something very generous today on behalf of your pastors. Now, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, with me, and I'm going to look at verse 35. And you may say, well, what does Luke's Gospel, chapter 35, blind Bartimaeus, have to do with honoring pastor? Well, if you stick with me just for a few moments, you'll see where I'm headed towards. Verse 35 of Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, this is what the Bible says. As Jesus approached Jericho, there was a blind beggar sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now the religious people all around him, they yelled at him and they said, be quiet. But the Bible says Bartimaeus only shouted louder. And he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus, now verse 40 through 43 is where I want to concentrate. When Jesus heard him, he stopped in order that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? And I just feel in my spirit this morning that God is asking some of you, what do you want me to do for you? And the man said instantly, he said, I want to see. Obviously, if you ask a blind man what he wants, he's going to say, I want to see. If you ask a person that has cancer what they want, I want, I want to be healed of cancer. If you ask somebody who's been infertile for 14 years, obviously they're going to tell you, I want to have a baby uh, boy or a baby girl. And aren't we thankful that we still serve the God who not only hears prayers, but he also answers prayers. Can somebody say amen to that? And so blind Bartimaeus, when he was asked, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus said, Lord, I want to see. And very simply, Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And then in verse 43, as I was reading this scripture, and I've read this scripture multiple times, especially throughout the last month, I've read it multiple times in preparation for this Sunday morning. But Friday night, as I was reading this scripture, this one word hit my spirit in a way like it's never hit before. In verse 43, it says, instantly the man could see. Jesus, it says, instantly. And I believe this morning, I feel in my spirit, this is a morning of instant miracles, instant blessings, and instant breakthroughs. I felt Friday night in my spirit for God to, for me to tell you through the spirit of God, get ready for miracles to be released in this house in Jesus' mighty name. But not only will miracles begin to be released this very morning, but I believe that if you will receive the word of the Lord this morning, before 2023 comes to an end, that very thing that you've been believing God for and you've been praying to God for, you're going to be able to use your physical finger and point at that thing and say, look what the Lord has done in my life. And then if we look at Isaiah chapter 1, verses 19, the other scripture that I want to read is this. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now I want to speak for the next few moments on what I've titled 
provoking the favor of God over your life. Now, when I read verse 43 of Luke's gospel, chapter 18, and that word instantly hit my spirit, this morning I felt like changing the title of my message to not provoking the favor of God, but to provoking the instantaneous favor of God over your life. I know today we are honoring Pastor Aaron and Pastor Sean, but I also believe that today is an opportunity for you to provoke the favor of God over your lives by an act of faith that you will do at the end of this service. Because if I could be honest with you, and I, 100% of the time I try to be honest anyway, but if I could be honest with you, God's favor doesn't just happen to people. But God's favor follows. The Bible says, surely, Psalms 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God's favor follows those who will pursue him like Bartimaeus did in Luke's gospel chapter 18. And equally true, God's favor can be provoked through our obedience to the word of God. Now in Isaiah chapter 1, we see two very important words in this text. Number one, we see the word willing and we see the word obedient. Isaiah says to us and he tells us, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. The problem that we have today is many people want to eat the good of the land, but they don't want to be they don't want to do what God requires in order for us to eat the good of the land. Now, the more I realize this and the more I talk with people, the more I realize what people really want is a friends with benefits relationship with the Lord. They want the benefits that they want the benefits without producing the commitment. Now, let me say it like this. I have a beautiful nine-year-old daughter that the Lord has blessed my wife and I with. And if some guy, and I'm sure Pastor Sean will be the same way with his daughter, but if some guy ever came up to me and he said, Brother Pimentel or Mr. Pimentel or Nate, whatever you want to call me, I'm not interested in marrying your daughter. I'm just interested in having the benefits that come with being in a married relationship with her. I can promise you right now, if I had some punk come up to me and say that, that young man would quickly meet my friend, Mr. Glock 43, his cousin Glock 19, and his stepbrother, Smith and Wesson. Can somebody say amen to that? And maybe I'd, maybe I'd find his long-lost cousin, AR15. Can somebody say amen to that? Because what that young man told me is, I don't love your daughter. I'm not interested in being in a committed marital relationship with her. He said, I'm only interested in the benefits that come with being in a committed marital, marital relationship with her. And you know, I got to thinking about that. Spiritually, there are many people who just want a friends with benefits relationship with the Lord. They don't want the marital commitment. They just want the stuff. But can I tell you something, my friend? You, in God's kingdom, you cannot access the stuff without obedience. Can everyone shout obedience? You see, what I've learned over the years is obedience. Now listen to this real quickly. Obedience to God's word is the cheapest, quickest, and most guaranteed way to walk in the blessings of God. Obedience to God's word will put you on a path that is filled with the overflowing favor of God. If there is one thing that I have come to understand in my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, is that God's word that we call the Holy Bible is an instructional manual of life that will take you from living aggravated to living with ease. Obedience to God's word will take you from the curse to walking in the blessing. When you follow God's plan for your life, your confession and your mentality will never be life is hard. But your confession and your mentality will be life is a blessing. Life is wonderful and life is easy. Now let me explain it to you like this. When you buy gifts for your children that require assembly, 
The instructions that come in that box is not there to make the building process difficult for you, but it's in that box to make the building process very easy for you. When I was a young man, I'm only 42, I still consider myself to be a young man, but when I was even younger and I had hair at the age of 16 and 17 years old, I attended, now I'm going to try to concentrate and say this word really the proper way because my Massachusetts always comes out every time I try to say this word. I always try to say carpentry, but it's actually carpentry. And so when I was, when I was a young man and I attended carpentry trade school, the way our school was set up was you would have 10 days of shop class where you would do the fun things and you would build, but then you would also have 10 days of academics. During those 10 days of academics, we would have three periods a day every day where we would learn the fundamentals of carpentry. And one of the very first things that they taught us in those fundamental classes is that everything you need to know about the house is in the blueprints. The blueprints gave us the vision of the house. The blueprints gave us the know-how and the how-to. No matter how big or small the house was, the blueprints gave us the step-by-step -step process to build the house with ease. Our job as students... Our jobs as wannabe contractors while we were in high school was to always refer to the blueprint when building the home. And likewise, what the Lord showed me is that in the spirit realm, the blueprint of life that gives us step-by-step -step instructions is the Word of God. God's Word is not just a book of promises and blessings like a lot of people claim to say it is, which there are many promises there are many blessings in the word of God but God's word is so much more than a book of promises of blessings it's a book of covenant when you do your part God will do his part God's word is also a book of instruction not to make life hard for you but to make life very easy for you in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 it says study this book of instruction continually Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything that is in it. The Bible was not written, God's Word was not written just so we can sit down for five minutes and feel goose pimples up and down our back every once in a while. God's Word was given to us for it to be obeyed and for us to carry out the instructions of the Lord. And when we obey God's Word and carry out His instructions, the Bible says, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. You see, the blueprint of the building is, there, is not there to make life hard, but the blueprint is there to make life easy. And in the same way, God has given us his word to make things easy. God's word is a book of instruction, and those instructions, if they are followed, not 50% of the time, not 75% of the time, but if they are followed 100% of the time, they will always place you on the path of victory. Now listen real closely. You will never go wrong if you follow the instructions of God's word and do what it tells you to do. Now listen, I felt in my spirit. I don't know what life has thrown at each and every single one of you this morning. Some of you may feel like you're in a, sea, in a night season of sorrow. But I believe that the Spirit would have me prophesy over your life this morning. All it takes is one obedience, one obedience to one instruction from the Lord. And through that one obedience, I see your situation turning around this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Through obedience to the Word of God, Everything that the enemy has ever touched in your life, I prophesy in Jesus' mighty name, he's going to put it back in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, I was reading a book a few, a few uh, months ago by a gentleman by the name of Lester Sumrall. And Lester Sumrall tells us a story of how one night he was sleeping in his bed. And as he was sleeping in his bed, 
He said the temperature, everything in that bedroom was normal. But as he was sleeping in his bed, he said all of a sudden it got really cold and really damp in that room. He said the window was open. There wasn't even a wind outside the window. But he said the window was open. And when the dampness and that cold atmosphere came into the room, he said the wind began to blow and the curtains began to blow because of the wind, and because the window was open. And he says all of a sudden he felt this spirit, this demonic presence enter into his room. And his bed was up against one side of the room, up against the wall. And when that demonic principality entered the room and began to rattle and shake his bed to the point that it rattled and shook so much that his bed rattled across the room and it ended up on the other side of the room up against the other side of the wall. Bless the sermon when he came to his senses and realized what was happening. He took authority over that thing and he commanded the foul spirit to leave his room and instantly that spirit left. But then brother Sumrall realized, hey, before that demonic power rattled my bed and it rattled all the way across the room up against the other side of the, the room up against that wall, he said, my bed was over there. So he ordered that demonic principality back into his room. See, some people can't even cast out devils. They're afraid to cast out devils. He not only cast one out, but then he orders it back into his room. And he says, come back into this room. So all of a sudden, he felt the dampness, the coldness, filled that atmosphere again. And he said, before I commanded you to leave the first time, my bed was up against that wall. He said, so I command you in the name of Jesus to put it back now in Jesus' mighty name. And instantly the bed began to shake and rattle and it went up against the wall. And then he said, now in the name of Jesus, I command you to go. And you said, well, why are you telling me that? I'm telling you this because the enemy, for some of you, he's crept into your life. And he's shaking up some things and he's rattling some things up in your life. But I believe through one instruction that God will give you by the end of this service, everything that the enemy has ever touched in your life, he's going to put it back in the mighty name of Jesus. I've come to prophesy over your life. Your hate, your healing, your health is coming back. Your children are coming back. Your finances, they're not going to be in the red anymore, but they're going to go to the black and somebody say amen. One instruction from God can turn your situation around in Jesus' mighty name. We serve the God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. And I've come to prophesy he's going to outdo your greatest request, not next year, not five years from now, but by the end of the service, your breakthrough is going to become a reality. Somebody shout, put it back. See, God's word is more than just a cute little storybook that teaches good morals to live by. But God's word is a book of instructions that are to be followed if we want to provoke the blessings and the power of God. You know what James tells us? James says, don't just listen to the word of God, but do what it says. Because when you do what it says, you give God access, you give God opportunity, and you provoke God to move in your life. Now, over the last few months, the Lord has really been showing me some things that will take you from just being a hearer of the word of God to walking in the blessing. And the way to walk in the blessing is not in the hearing of God's word. The way to walk in the blessing is by doing, being a doer of the word of God. I don't know about you. I'm not interested in just hearing about the blessing. I want to walk in the blessing. And the only way to walk in the blessing this morning is by being a doer of the word of God. Yes, hearing uh, is what increases faith into our spirit, but the blessing comes when we put action behind our faith by doing what the word commands us to do. So as I begin to understand that the blessing of God comes into doing, I began to search out the scriptures to find out what exactly it is that moves the hand of God. And when I find out what moves God's hand, I've made up my mind. That's exactly what I'm going to do. So I began to search the scriptures and I found myself at our text in Luke's gospel chapter 18 when all of a sudden it hit my spirit that what provokes the hand of God is when we capture the attention of God. You see, in our text, Luke tells us Jesus was passing through. His intention was never to stop and talk to Bartimaeus. His intention was to keep on walking by. 
But if we read the story like we did, we notice that Jesus stopped. Why? Because Bartimaeus captured his attention. So when I realized that God's capturing God's attention is what provokes God to stop and provokes him to move on our behalf, I began to search the scriptures to see how people caught the attention of God. And so this morning, I want to give you three ways, Bible ways, that you can capture the attention of God and provoke God to move on your behalf. The very first way that I see in the scriptures how we can provoke God to move on our behalf, I saw it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 5 through 10. The Bible tells us a story of a Roman centurion who had a servant, the Bible says, who was lying in bed paralyzed in terrible pain. So when Jesus comes across this man, Jesus looks at him and says, listen, I'm going to come to your house and heal him. Now, one would think if Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, said, I'm coming to your house, one would think you would get very, very excited. I was at a church one time, and this older lady came up to me, She was like in her 70s, 80s. She said, I felt the Lord speak to me to ask you if you can come to my house later today and pray for my husband. And I said, did the Lord impress that upon you? She says, he sure did. I said, then who am I to argue with the Lord? If the Lord spoke to you to ask me to come to your house and pray for your husband, then that's exactly what I will do. I said, but can 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 we just do one thing? She said, sure. I said, can you give me about an hour to two hours so I can go get something to eat. And on my way home, I'll stop and pray for your husband. She said, absolutely. So I went out to eat. And then I was a man of my word. I went to her house. And when I got there, there were like 35 cars outside. I said, am I at the right house? And so I knocked on the door. And when I knocked on the door, there was a younger woman. She's like, and she had a big smile on her face. And before she even greeted me, She turned around, looked at everybody that was in the house, and she said, the evangelist is here. And I kind of, well, I guess apparently I am at the right house. And I walked in. I said, why so many people? She's like, well, when I told people that the evangelist was coming to pray for my husband, they couldn't believe it. They said, you mean to tell me he's coming to your house? Like, yeah, yeah, I have to see this to believe in myself. And so I showed up there, and there was a room full of people that just showed up because they're like, I want to see if this preacher, that they were excited that a preacher was coming to their house to come and lay hands and pray for this, for this man. Now, one would think if Jesus, forget Nate Pimentel, but one would think if Jesus said, hey, I'm coming to your house to pray for your servant, You would think, absolutely, I will lead the way. You know what the guy says? No, I'm not worthy of you coming under my roof. And this is what he said. He said, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word. He said, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. You see, the Roman centurion caught the attention of the Lord just because he simply believed the word. He said, you don't have to come to my home. All I need for you to do is just speak the word. Jesus was ready to go to his house, but he said, listen, all you've got to do is speak the word, and if you speak it, I know it will happen. And this is what the Lord showed me. He said, faith will cause God to do whatever you can believe him for. Nothing too big, nothing too small for God. I was at a church in New Brunswick, Canada, when I walked into a pastor's house. As I walked into that house and I was having a conversation with a pastor, his young boy comes walking into the house angry, upset. And his father looks at him and says, what's wrong with you? And he said, Dad, I need you to go to Walmart or I need you to fix my training wheels. 
He said, what do you mean you need me to go to Walmart? He said, I was outside playing with my friends. And, you know, he's seven years old. He still has training wheels on his bike. He said, I went to go jump off the curb, a little bunny hop. And when I went to go land, I thought I was going to land on the two uh, main tires, but I ended up landing on the training wheels, and my training wheels broke, and now I can't ride my bike and play with my friends. So I, that's why I need you to go to Walmart and buy me two brand new training wheels or fix them. And the father looks at him and says, Taylor, he said, I'll tell you what, you're seven years old right now. You're getting to that age where you could uh, learn how to, you should start learning how to ride a bike without the training wheels. So he says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to fix the training wheels. I'm not going to buy you training wheels, but I'm going to teach you how to ride on two wheels. And his son got so upset. He said, well, if you're not going to fix my training wheels, then I'll just ask God to get me two brand new training wheels. He walked away from his dad and stormed into his bedroom and slammed the door shut in his father's face. The father just kind of chuckled. I told him, I said, hey, listen, I said, I don't know how you guys do things here in New Brunswick, Canada, but I'll tell you what my Portuguese parents did growing up. If I ever stormed away from them and slammed the door shut in their face, there would be more than just the door being slammed in that house, if you know what I'm talking about. And so the pastor later on gives me a call, and he said, Nate, he said, you remember when my son was at the, I said, yeah. He says, well, he said, I, I went to bed that night and I, was, I walked by Taylor's bedroom and Taylor was praying, Father, in the name of Jesus, I lose training wheels into my life. You said, seven years old, you said to call those things that be not as though they were. Father, I call training wheels in Jesus' mind. Man, he was praying up a storm. He was storming the gates of heaven for training wheels. The father said, I walked by his bedroom and I laughed and chuckled. He said, I didn't have the heart to tell him that I wasn't going to fix his training wheels or buy the training wheels for him. He said, so for four straight days, I refused to buy those training wheels. I refused to touch his bike. And Taylor sat on the couch every day for four straight days watching Netflix or Prime or whatever kids like to do nowadays, depressed, wouldn't go outside. I tried to get him to go play with his friends. And he says, why don't you go play with my friends? He's like, well, I'd go and ride my bike with my friends, but obviously somebody doesn't want to fix my training wheels. So on the fifth day, the father says, you know what? I'm tired of seeing you all depressed like this. We're going fishing. So they went fishing. They went out to the Bay of Fundy or something like that. And the father said, we were out there, Nate, for a couple of hours. And we weren't catching anything. And so I was tired. I was getting ready to go home. And I told Taylor, I said, Taylor, one more cast. If we don't catch anything, then we're going to pack up and we're going to go home. So Taylor cast that line into the water, right? And as soon as he cast that line into the water, a fish hooked onto that line. And his uh, fishing pole completely bent over. And so... I love to fish. My son loves to fish. And when your fishing pole bends over like that, you know, you get this excitement. There's, there's this overwhelming feeling that just comes upon you when you're like, you're walking out Genesis chapter 1 where God says, I've given you dominion over all things. And you're like, fish, you're coming on my plate tonight and I'm going to eat you. And, uh, and so this young man is trying to reel in this fish, right? But anyone that's ever fished, sometimes the fish will take a second wind and all of a sudden it'll take your line back out like another 25 yards. So Taylor's trying to like reel this fish in when the fish like takes it back out like two or three times. And he's like, dad, I need you to help me reel this fish in. And his father, well, with the personality that people from New Brunswick had, no, Taylor, I'm not going to help you reel the fish in. And I look, I said, pastor, I said, what kind of a dad are you? You don't even fix his training wheels. Now you're not helping him reel this fish in. I said, he's only seven years old. You know, help him out. And uh, he's like, well, I just wanted him to catch the fish all by himself. And he said, well, he goes, after a while, for 45 minutes, he said, I could only take so much. And he says, so finally, he's reeling this fish in. And, you know, when you bring in a fish and it comes up to the surface, you begin to see the, the bubbles coming up out of the water. He says, Nate, the fish is coming in. The bubbles are coming up. I'm reaching over to grab the line to pull this fish up out of the water. He says, Nate, when I pull that thing up out of the water, you will never believe what came up out of the lake. I said, what came out? I said, a trout? He said, no. I said, a bass? He said, no. I said, salmon? He said, no. I said, what kind of a fish did he catch? He said, Nate, at the other end of that line was two brand new training wheels that came up out of that water. 
Now you may say, you may say, well, Nate, I don't need training wheels. And if you do need training wheels, then I will make time to sit down after church and have a very long conversation with you. But the very same faith that that young man had to call in those training wheels that have no eternal significance at all is the very same faith that will capture the attention of God and provoke him to move on your behalf. Can somebody say amen? I told people this. I said, if we can rewrite a paraphrase of that scripture, all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. We can say, all you need is training wheel faith. How many people here would say, Nate, God, I want some training wheel faith in Jesus' mighty name. The second thing that will capture the attention of God is two things that I want to couple it up with. It's prayer and praise. Prayer and praise will always capture the attention of God. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25 through 26, it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was taken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains fell off of every prisoner. Praise and prayer will turn any and every situation around. Now I have a, a nine-year-old daughter. Both of my kids are adopted. My son Matthew was adopted from birth. My wife was actually in the delivery room when he was born. My daughter Lily came to live with us two days after or three days after she was born. But she was born with drugs in her system. She was what they would consider a crack baby. And she had to be weaned off of drugs for three weeks. When DHS, we adopted Matthew through, a, uh, through a, uh, an adoption agency, we adopted Lily, Lily through the foster care system. The adoption agency is a lot more money to adopt. The foster care system, you're not guaranteed if you're going to adopt that child or not. So when they called us up and said, would you like to take this baby girl into your home? We said, absolutely. They said, we're 99.9% .9 sure that she is going to be placed up for adoption. But do us a favor. Do not refer to her as your daughter. And do not refer yourselves to her as mom and dad because we don't want anybody to get their hopes up. But I'll be honest with you. When you're holding a two-month-year-old baby, we had it for two, when you're holding a little infant, a newborn in your arms, you can't help but get attached to that newborn. And so she came to live with us. And for the first two months, we had a great time. And uh, I remember during that time, I had to go speak in Illinois. When I went to go speak in Illinois, there was also a conference out there that I went to attend. And I was walking into Pastor Bill Winston's church when all of a sudden my wife calls me as I was about to enter in, inside the church. And she said, Nate, we have a problem. And I like what uh, Brother R.W. Shambach said, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. And she said, Nate, we have a problem. I said, what's the problem? She said, DHS just called us up. And the grandfather, his wife, who is not the biological grandmother, she wants Lily to come and live with her. And I told my wife, I said, well, she's not the biological grandmother. Uh, how can that happen? Well, because she's married to the biological grandfather, she has first right. And I said, well, I'm not giving Lily back. My wife said, you have no choice but to give Lily back. Now, that was the most discouraging news that I've ever, that I heard in my life up until that point. And I'll be honest with you, I know this isn't going to sound spiritual, but I had no desire to go to church that evening. I did not want to go to church. I did not want to listen to a preacher. I did not want to sing. I did not want to clap my hands. But I've been in this thing long enough to know that when you don't feel like going to church, the best place you ought to be is at church. So I made up my mind, I'm going to church. So I walked to the sanctuary, and as I'm getting ready to walk into the sanctuary, the usher stops me. And he says, it's full to capacity. You've got to go to the overflow room. Now, I don't know about you. When I go to church, I don't want to go to an overflow room. I want to go where the action is at. See, the enemy was doing everything he could to stop me from going to church. And I was getting ready to go back to the hotel when all of a sudden the spirit quickened me and said, you need to go to the overflow room. So I walked into the overflow room. I sat down 
in the middle of that room. There was like 2,000 people in there. I sat in the middle of that overflow room. And all of a sudden, Bishop Tudor Bismarck gets on the big screen and he begins to preach. And I'm telling you, it felt like he was preaching to me. When all of a sudden, this is what he said. He said, the devil is trying to take someone away from you. But the Lord just told me that if you get up and you lift up your hands, like Sister Kathy saying earlier today, and take a praise break, God's going to step into your situation and God's going to turn it around. So honestly, I'm a very conservative guy. I'm not going to be the very first person you see running around the sanctuary, jumping up and down. I'm very conservative by nature. But when he gave that instruction, see, instructions are not to harm you. They're to help you and to make a, the instructions are given to you so you can go from victory to victory in Jesus' mighty name. So when I received that instruction, I immediately leaped up to my feet and I lifted up my hands and I began to praise the Lord in an undignified way. And then Bishop Tudor Bismarck goes on to say, now begin to scream that person's name out. And as you do, God's going to turn the situation around. So I began to scream out Lily's name, Lily, 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 so loud and so many times that it caught the attention of like 20 women in a corner and they were like, Lord, give him a wife so he can shut up. But I wasn't praying for my wife. I was praying for my daughter. And I knew, I knew as soon as I began to praise, I felt in my spirit God say, everything's going to be all right. And so I flew home knowing everything was going to be all right because I had a word from God. But can I tell you what? It's a whole lot easier to praise God when you have 2,000 people praising God with you. Because when I got home, the phone immediately rang and it was DHS. And you know what they said? They said, you have to bring Lily to the DHS building tomorrow morning. And it didn't make sense to me because I felt in my spirit, God spoke to me, said, everything's going to be all right. And so I couldn't, I couldn't take myself to bring Lily back to the DHS office. So my wife went with Darcy Ward, my pastor's wife. They went to bring her back uh, to the DHS so that the grandparents could pick her up. And I'll tell you what, I sat down on my couch and these tears just became, b began to come down my cheek because I was sad. And then I quickly, I had to quickly overcome that and I remembered I had a word from God. Not only did I have a word from God, but I began to praise God. You know what praise does? Praise gives God an opportunity to work on your behalf. Like, like blind Bartimaeus. Everybody told him, be quiet, Bartimaeus. You're embarrassing us. And what did Bartimaeus say? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he just kept on shouting. He kept on calling out to Jesus. And eventually, he grabbed a hold of Jesus. And that's what I did. I began to pray. I began to praise and pray. I said, Father, I don't know what to say. I don't know what else to pray. But in the name of Jesus, I command this situation to turn around. Day two, I was sitting down on that same couch. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command this situation to turn around. Day three, I walked into Lily's changing room. The changing bed was there. She still had a onesie up there. I picked up the onesie. I began to smell that onesie, and I can smell Lily's scent on that onesie, and tears began to come down my cheek. But then all of a sudden, they turned to tears of joy and tears of victory. And I said, Father, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to turn it around in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm telling you, my friend, Eight hours, three weeks went by, and all of a sudden the phone rings. And my wife picks up the phone, and it was Lily's grandmother. And she's like, Mary Ann, this is so-and-so. She said, I made a terrible mistake. She said, we now realize that this little girl does not belong with us, but this little girl belongs with you and your husband. She said, we haven't even called DHS up yet. She says, but we wanted to call you and say, will you take Lily back into your home? We said, absolutely we will. She said, let me call DHS up. So they call DHS up, they call us up, and they said, well, obviously, you guys have heard the news. And they said, if you want to pick her up, you can pick her up tonight. This was a weekend. We said, where are we going to pick her up? The offices are closed. She said, well, you can pick her up in Bangor, Maine at the McDonald's on Broadway Street. Now, 
I've heard of making Craigslist deals at a McDonald's parking lot, but I've never heard about making a baby transaction at a McDonald's parking lot. But nonetheless, I told my wife, let's go to McDonald's. We're going to go pick up a four-piece chicken McNugget. And while we're at it, we're going to pick up a McBaby in Jesus' mighty name. And I'll tell you what, my friend, six months later, the parental rights were terminated. At 10 months, we legalized and finalized our adoption. And some lady said, well, you must have some higher power working for you because things like this don't happen with little children getting adopted out of the foster care. So I said, honey, it had nothing to do with favor. It had nothing to do with luck. It had nothing to do with coincidence. But it had everything to do with the power of praise that unlocks the favor of God over our lives. Can somebody say amen to that? So faith will provoke God. Praise and prayer will provoke God. And the third thing that will provoke God is giving our best will capture the attention of God. Giving our best in obedience to what God has instructed for us to do. See, Jesus observed in, Matthew's, in Luke's Gospel 21, it says, Jesus observed all the wealthy, meaning he observed all the rich people coming into the temple courts, wanting to be noticed as they came with their offerings. Verse 2, it says, he noticed a very poor widow who dropped two small copper coins in the offering box. Listen to me, he said. This poor widow has given a larger offering than any of the wealthy. For the rich only gave out of their surplus, but she sacrificed out of her poverty and gave to God all that she had to live on. In this story... The Bible shows us the rich gave out of their surplus. In other words, you know what they did? They gave God the leftovers. They didn't put any thought into what they gave, meaning they didn't dig deep into their pockets. They just pulled out what they had extra. But this woman didn't give out of her extra. She didn't give out of her abundance. Why? Because she didn't have extra. Jesus said she sacrificially gave all that she had to live on. What she had may have not been significant for other people. But to her and to God, what she gave was very significant. In my own life, every significant sacrificial seed that the Spirit of God has moved upon me to release has always provoked the hand of God to bring life-changing blessings. I remember it was in 2018, my wife and I had just purchased a home. And it was a big step of faith for us to purchase this home. Four acres of land, 3,500 square feet, 500 yards pushed off the road. Now, I don't know what a house like that here in Florida would go for, but in Maine, the cost of living is totally different. I know in Massachusetts, where I was raised, if I were to buy a home like that, it'd be at least $1.4, $1.5 million. But nonetheless, this house was nowhere close to that price. But nonetheless, it was a very big step of faith for my wife and I to buy this home. So we ended up buying the home at the end of 2018. And now we're taking on a mortgage a little bit bigger than the one that we had previously. Well, during 2018, I traveled down to Columbus, Ohio to be in a church service to meet a certain minister who I've been recently connected with over the last few years now. And I joined their fellowship and he was talking about sowing a resurrection seed or a seed of honor on resurrection day. He says, every he says, every week we give God 10% of what he requires. But he's like, on this one day, he's all like, why don't you sow a significant seed? And he challenged the people. He said, why don't you challenge the people or uh, sow one week's worth of your wages or $1,000, whichever is greater. Now, he was challenging the ministers in his fellowship to challenge the people of their churches to sow on resurrection day a seed of honor into the local church, not his ministry. He wanted to help the local church out. Well, I'm not a pastor. 
There's a lot of churches that if I go to and say, hey, I challenge you to sow one week's worth of your wages, or I challenge you to sow $1,000, two things are going to happen. The pastor is going to be very upset, and I'm never going to go back there to preach ever again. And I want to preach. I'm not going to burn bridges. So I told my wife, I said, you know what? This is a word from God. I said, and we are going to take this challenge and we are going to sow this seed of honor into his ministry. Because if there's one thing I know, you can never, you will never honor a man or a woman of God and God not to notice that. God will always notice when you are a blessing to somebody else. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. What you make happen for others, God will raise somebody to send your way to make happen for you. Can somebody say amen to that? So my wife and I, we said, we're going to sow the most significant seed of honor that we have ever sown into any ministry. And at that time, I had a $10,000 debt that I just simply could not get rid of. And so I'm going to sow the seed in honor with an expectation that this $10,000 debt is going to be eliminated in Jesus' mighty name. So we sowed the seed of honor, and then four days later, my wife and I, we get a, a phone call from a lawyer saying that there was this elderly woman that had passed away. And he says, she has left a little something for you and a few other people. And so I thought to myself, I knew who this elderly woman was. She would always wear, like, I remember growing up, we'd have those triple fat goose uh, jackets. You probably don't know anything about that here in Florida because you don't need triple fat goose uh, jackets in Florida. It's way too hot down here. But in Maine, you need that stuff. In New England, you need that stuff. And so she would wear their sailor's cap. She would always wear uh, sweatpants and shoes that had holes in them. One time she asked my wife, my shoes got holes in them, and I got to buy myself a brand new pair of shoes, but it costs $75. Do you think it's okay if I spend $75 on a pair of shoes? And my wife said, how long have you had those shoes? She said, 15 years. My wife said, well, I think you've got your money's worth. Like, you can go ahead and buy another pair of shoes for $75. It's not going to hurt you. So this was the lady that left money behind for us. And I told my wife, I said, really? How much does she leave behind? $5,000? That's not, that's not life-changing. I said, I'm believing for $10,000, you know? I said, $5,000 is not, I said, that's, that's not the harvest. And so they had to do all this paperwork and things like that. I was out on the road, and then all of a sudden, my wife calls me up as I'm driving. She said, Nate, are you driving? I said, I am. She said, you may want to pull over. <laughs> either good or either bad, right? You, you may want to pull over. I said, what? She's like, we just got the final figures of what uh, she left behind. And I said, Marianne, how's $5,000 gonna change our lives? She's like, oh no, it was a little bit more than 5,000. I said, how's $10,000 gonna change our lives? She's like, oh, a little bit more than 10. I said, uh, 15? She's not nah, a little bit more. I said, 20,000? She said, nah, a little bit more. And all of a sudden, a smile started coming across my face. <laughs> Money's not my God, but it's sure nice to have. The Bible says money answers all things. I said, how much are we talking? Like, Willa, what you talking about, Willis? How much are we talking about? <laughs> Mary, how much are we talking about here? You said it's, it's more than 20. How much? She said, are you driving? I said, I am. She said, I'm telling you, you may want to pull over. I said, Mary, how much money came in? She's like, Nate, there's about one $1.7 million that she left over. Like I choked on my spit. I said, 1.7 thousand? No, she said, no, 1.7 million. Eight months later, after I bought my house, paid in cash. I went into the bank to go pay it. The lady's like, so can I have the exact figure to pay this, to pay this uh, house off? She said, well, I can't give you the exact figure. I can give you the roundabout figure. Honey, unless you want a roundabout check, then give me the exact figure. I'm not coming in here just, I'm just looking around. No, I'm coming in here with a purpose, and that's to break the curse of poverty off of my life in Jesus' mighty name. 
I paid my house off. We put a new building on our property with a brand new television station on the second floor that's reaching 120 million homes on a daily basis with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We go to Africa, to India, to Cuba, wherever. God, wherever you want me to go, I will go. And you know what? God has put me in a position where I don't have to worry about the finances. I just go. When he says go, I drop everything I'm doing and I go. Can somebody say amen to that? <laughs> paid off my house, paid off, paid off the buildings, paid off the vehicles. And my friend, I am telling you this. You will never outgive God. You know, people tell me all the time, they're like, you know what? I wish I had a little old lady that I was close to, and when she died, then she can leave me all that money. That money didn't come because I was just close to a little old lady. That money came, you know why? Because I received an instruction from God. And I was obedient to that instruction to sow a seed of honor into God's kingdom. And now here's the thing, what the Lord showed me. With every story I just told you and every illustration that I used, here's the thing. Six-year-old Taylor prayed for training wheels in the matter of four days. Instantly, he received his training wheels. My daughter Lily was taken from me. Instantly, we prayed and instantly, within three to four weeks, she came back to us. My wife and I bought a house. We sowed a seed of honor and instantly we received the harvest. I had the opportunity two weeks ago to sow into a man of God who was purchasing his first ministry building. And my wife said, we should sow something into his ministry. So I said, let's sow this amount. And my wife looked at me and this is what she said, really? She said, I was thinking higher. Men, if what you say is always lower than your wife, then your wife is listening to the Spirit. So I told her, I said, well, if that's what you feel the Lord is telling you to do, then we're going to sow this amount, a significant sacrificial seed, into this man's ministry. And we sowed it into his ministry. Friend, in four days, we got a $10,000 harvest that came off of that seed. This week, we had the opportunity to sow a seed of honor. Even though I'm not in my home church right now, I still sowed a seed of honor into my pastor's life. And I kid you not, within 24 hours, we got a harvest back into our life. I'm telling you, my friend, if you sow with expectation today, as you honor the man and the woman of God that he has placed in, he hasn't placed them in your life to make life hard. He's placed them in your life to be the voice of God, to come in agreement with you in faith, and to help you tackle and overcome every opposition that the enemy will ever throw your way in the mighty name of Jesus. And here's what I heard the Lord say to me Friday night. He says, I will do instant miracles, instant breakthroughs, and instant blessings will be released into your life. You say, well, what do you mean instant? Instant, I mean like this. One moment you were experiencing this, and then instantly, your life has now changed because of one instruction that you received from the word of God. Can somebody say amen to that? If you, I heard somebody say this. If you show God, some of you this week, you've prayed about, Lord, show me what you want me to do to be a blessing. And I'm telling you, my friend, when you make something happen for somebody else, God will make it happen for you. And God spoke to me and he said, instantaneous miracles will begin to happen. And what I felt in my spirit is the Lord spoke to me and he said, for Pastor Sean and for Pastors Aaron, this is a day 
where God's going to produce instantaneous miracles, instantaneous breakthroughs, instantaneous blessings, not only over their life, but can I tell you what? It trickles from the head down. And what they receive, you will receive in the mighty name of Jesus. Because I'm telling you, my friend, let me say it like this. What you make happen for someone else, God will make happen for you in the mighty name of Jesus. When you honor that $1.7 million that came into our family and to these other people that the money went to, that all happened because of a seed of honor. You will never lavish favor on somebody else and not ever see the favor of God return back to you. Not just in the same measure you gave it to them, but in full measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in Jesus' mighty name. And now here's what I feel. I feel that the Lord has spoken to us this week. You have taken time to pray. You're not coming here like the rich in that story where they gave out of their extra, but you're coming today because you've prayed about it, and the Lord has given you an instruction. And my friend, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20, that those who listen to instruction shall prosper. And if you will do what God has instructed for you to do this day, this morning, I am telling you, the overflowing favor and the blessings and the miracles of God will not only flood this house, but they will flood your personal home. In the mighty name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? How many people could say, Nate, I need an instantaneous moment in my life? How many would say, I need an instantaneous moment in my life? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something very, very special this morning. We, are, we have the privilege of being a blessing to God's man and God's woman of this house. Pastor Sean and Pastor Aaron. And this is what I want to do because I said at the beginning of the service, I said that if you will receive the word of the Lord, God will do something very significant in your life and God will cause you to do something very generous. And here's what I want to, here's what I want to do. Each and every single one of us should have an envelope in our hands. If you don't have an envelope, I'm going to ask the ushers, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. The ushers will get an envelope to you. And today, let me say it like this. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to be a blessing towards a ministry and towards a, a young couple. And I was, getting ready to, I was getting ready to sow something when the enemy spoke to me, because I know some of you are hearing this right now. The enemy said to me like this, you can't sow into their lives. And I said, why can't I sow into their lives? Because if you sow into their lives, then you're not going to be able to do what you want to do. God's called you to do something. Like the devil cares what God's called me to do. He's like, God's called you to do something. There's no possible way you can sow into this person's life. You won't have enough for me. So when the enemy told me not to do something, you know, us Americans, when the government tells us to do something, we do the exact opposite, right? So when the enemy tells me to do something, I'm going to do the exact opposite. I remember I was in my office when the enemy said, you can't sow that offering because you got to do things for God yourself and you won't have enough money. And I thought to myself, number one, you don't care what I'm doing for God. And number two, who do you think you are to tell me I can't give? You're not my source. This world's not my source. God's my source. So I remember I looked outside the bedroom, the, the, the office door, and I yelled. I said, Mary Ann. And she said, what? I said, bring the checkbook down. She said, why? I said, I'm going to give the devil a black eye right now. She said, what are you talking about? He just told me that I can't sow into this man's ministry. So I'm going to show him, not only am I going to sow, but I'm going to sow a significant seed into the kingdom of God and let him know you're not my source. God is my source. And the more I sow into the kingdom of God, the more it just comes back to me. Now at that time, I needed money to go on my first mission trip to India. And I sowed the only money I had for that missions trip. And I thought to myself, well, now I'm starting from square one. But can I tell you what? When you listen to God's instruction, and even though it may seem like you're starting from square one, honestly, you're not starting from the beginning. God's actually just elevated you to another level. And so I sowed into the kingdom of God this guy from Alaska who I've only met once. I only spoke to him for two minutes, calls me up, and he says, evangelist, i got a question for you. I said, go ahead. 
He said, do you have a way of giving on your website? And I looked at him and I was real honest. I said, brother, what evangelist do you know that does not have a way to give on their website? I said, I absolutely do. And he said, well, I'm going to send you an offering in the mail. The Lord just spoke for me to do it just recently here in the last couple days or whatever. So I'm going to show you, I'm, I'm going to send an offering your way. Would you know that when the notification came to my email of what was sown into the kingdom of God, not only was it the, the, the seed that I had sown into that minister's life, but it was more than enough to pay above and beyond our first mission trip to India, where we got to see hundreds and thousands of souls come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. Every seed God instructs for you to sow is because he has a purpose behind that seed. And you know what the purpose are? And I know Pastor Sean and Pastor Aaron, you know what the purpose is? It's for souls. They don't come to church every Sunday morning in midweek service if they have Sunday night. They don't come because they're paid. People say all the time, hey, stop talking about Jesus. You're not working anymore. Like I, when I'm with family back at home in Massachusetts. And you know what I say? When I talk about Jesus, it's not work to me. It's who I am. Jesus is who they are. And I am telling you, it's good ground. Get ready. Double for your trouble. Overflow. Get ready for God to outdo your greatest request. Get ready for him to outdo your wildest imagination. As you bless the man and the woman of God this morning, God's already got a plan to pour out his grace, to pour out his favor. I'm telling you, some of you have been praying for needs. Some of you have been praying for situations. And I am telling you, your act of faith this morning is provoking the hand of God. Some of you feel like you're in a season where Daniel prayed and it's been 21 days and the answer hasn't come. But my friend, I prophesy to you through one act of obedience, whatever is hindering that prayer from becoming a manifestation in your life is removed in Jesus' mighty name. And I'm telling you, I prophesy instantaneous miracles, instantaneous blessings, instantaneous breakthroughs in the mighty name of Jesus. Some of you have sons and daughters and grandchildren coming back to the kingdom of God. Some of you have got debt being eliminated. Some of you are going to be conceived and you're going to have life in your womb in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever it is that you are believing God for, wrap your faith around that seed of honor and what you make happen for them. God's already saying, I already have the answer on the way and what you made happen for them, I'm not going to make it happen for you in a greater measure in the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? If you believe that, stand to your feet and lift your hands all across this auditorium. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.